We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, believe it or not, this season is the 15-year anniversary of the 2009 championship team. In my view, the most underrated Lakers champion in my memory. Um, And I remember in 2007, the beginning of that season was in a dark place, right? This is post Shaq. Lakers are not very good. Kobe is demanding a trade. And if you try to put yourself in that time and place, that's an apocalyptic moment, right? Where it seems like everything is going to go crashing down. And they start out with very little expectations and they have this really awesome season, right? That uh, there's a trade for Powell in the middle of it. They lose to the eventual champs in the Celtics. But that season served as a sort of slingshot into the 2009 season where there was this like, man, look what we can do. I really believe in what we can do, kind of this shared sentiment amongst the team that they used to have just a tremendous season the following year. And that season to me is sort of an aspirational season for this year's Lakers team. There are so many steps and hurdles uh, along the way to get to that kind of season. And the roster is in a different place, right? Like a prime Kobe is different than a 39-year-old LeBron James. If LeBron were 35, I'd be screaming from the mountaintops that the Lakers were the championship favorites, right? But nonetheless, I think that whole idea, Mike, of being able to use the previous season as sort of fuel to lead you into the next season is really an ideal for this team. And I just heard a lot of that in today's media day. And so you were there, you were asking a lot of the questions, man. What were some of your observations from today's media day? Well, first of all, Pete, it's nice to see you in the film room here. Uh, I did see you in person earlier, <laughs> yes, yes, which is always great, but you know, you were just always deep a into different. that article you were working on, man. That was a, you had that, you, your game face on, it was a, kind of a theme today. Everyone is ready to work. Well, I, okay. Now, now we're going to go in a different direction from where I was going. I will get, I will answer the question uh, in a moment, but media day for me is, is like a, a more exciting version of exit interviews where like I, those are the two of the days where I just have to be locked into the laptop. Um, mm-hmm. And not just that, but also be kind of thinking of questions as guy after guy goes up to the dais. And I'm just sort of sitting there trying to pull out the, 
whatever the most interesting thing is uh, from everybody that talks. And so that is a it's uh, it's not like a game day where you're all of your energy is going towards actually watching the game that mm-hmm. is exciting. It's sort of like you're in work mode, but it's not it doesn't have the same reward um, as sports always does. So I'm I'm definitely in focus mode uh, when I'm in that when I'm in that spot. And yet, Darius, I sit down and I've got lunch next to me um, while I'm transcribing. And was it soup? You know, it wasn't soup. I, I okay. did have some soup this evening. And by the way, I like candy and ice cream and stuff like that more than I like soup. It's just become a part of the pod uh, since the one time <laughs> in San Francisco that I ordered matzo ball soup and it was like 95 out uh, with Darius. Alas. So Pete walks over and Pete has been grinding ways, working in the same way. And I always want to talk to Pete and sort of say what's up. But I, I am on a deadline that I've imposed for myself yeah. because I need to get out of the building at a certain time. So it's kind of like the, hey, man. Apologies, uh, I'm I'm just gonna stay locked in here. And but that was yep. just what actually what Pete needed. That's right. Pete needed I, I to just decompress. Needed, like nobody to talk to me for like 30 minutes, <laughs> man. And so Mike and I had lunch in silence today. So. Yeah, we just we just sat and I and that's I'm not. And it was great. Other than with my wife, I'm not super comfortable. And even with her, I don't. I just don't like silence in general. Um, so yeah, I was I was fighting through it. And here we are. So takeaways from media day. <laughs> I thought that the. There were some themes of some consistent themes throughout the players, just like there was a consistent theme throughout Darvin Ham and Rob's one hour of availability last week. And I don't I think that it's too much for it to be planned and just sort of followed. It's I, I do really think that there are some themes that are coming from, I would say, LeBron on down that have kind of borne through the rest of the roster and LeBron throughout his career for as massive of a star that he's always been hasn't always had the best continuity of rosters. And part of that is certainly down to LeBron James himself, right? For switching some teams and for at times looking for different teammates. And so this year really does represent a different kind of continuity. And therefore there are a lot of guys that kind of, understand what going through a playoff run with LeBron is and what that means and how that applies to basketball, because that's serious business. LeBron in the playoffs is not messing around. He's not joking around and shoot around. He's not joking around at that next day's film. And I just think that we sometimes undervalue how that can impact young guys, especially. And Darius, I know you've listened to a lot of this. Pete, I'm curious for uh, for what you if you can react to that as well. But I think that there are a lot of guys and that includes Darvin Ham, who was in the middle of all of this and, and went on some runs himself into deep postseason runs that that is like the right way to talk about basketball uh, for a group of players. And I think that's a very positive thing to build on. Take all of the scheme and the and the who's going to start and who did what in the offseason workout wise out. That to me is an interesting channel that you can run through the team. So it's funny that Pete started with the discussion about the 2008-2009 Lakers. It's also then the 15th anniversary of what Mike Trudell joined right. the Lakers. So quite the flashback for you too, Mike. It's funny. One of the things that stood out to me was um, LeBron's comments, right? And he had talked about continuity and he had hearkened back to the... 2019-20 season as like really the only season that the team has had continuity. Or the following season where they brought everybody back from that championship team. Yes. Sure. Well, and there was then, some of that. And too. even then though, yeah. 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 Even then, like it was like more change than what you would really anticipate, right? right? Dennis and, so, and Mark and Trez. Yep. 
Well, I'm even looking at the season, the team that won the championship, right? They brought back JaVale and obviously LeBron. They brought back KCP and Alex Caruso and Rajon Rondo, Rondo yep. basically, and Kuz, right? Yep. And so that's like five or six guys. Yeah, no, that's, and, yeah, that's decent continuity. Yeah. And that's a good core. Those guys were all rotation players the following season. Rondo, much to our chagrin to start the season, <laughs> and then he put it in our faces during the bubble run. So so great for us, right, to be wrong. This season, though, LeBron's comments about continuity, I think, are meaningful because like you said, Pete and Mike, like LeBron is typically the guy who doesn't mind upsetting the apple cart to a certain extent, and he doesn't mind um, being uncomfortable, as is one of his favorite sayings. And, and I think that he's enjoying the idea of continuity. Related to that point, Pete, was the thing that LeBron said that I thought was one of the most meaningful things that, that he said, but it was a small thing. And he said that with the continuity, there wouldn't be the need for much teaching. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a super interesting point related to setting internal expectations for the team when you're a leader. Sometimes you don't always have to say the thing in the exact way that you, where you say it literally, right? Sometimes you say things figuratively. And I thought that idea of we brought enough dudes back where maybe a quick run through and we should have it. And the guys that we brought in, they're smart enough to pick it up right away. And I thought in his own way, that was LeBron laying down a bit of a gauntlet to this group of guys saying, we're going to get after it. We're going to do the work. We're not going to skip any steps. Yep. But I expect us to hit the ground running and get ready to build on last season, not the loss to Denver, but the run that we had to get to the Western Conference Finals in the first place. And I just thought it was an interesting way to sort of set expectations for this specific group and reiterate the idea of what they're here to do. Pete, to direct this towards you, Darius referenced that 2008 season, and that was my essentially first day on the job was right around that time of media day. And I came in having watched that team lose in the finals, but thinking, as I've said before on this pod, they're the best team in the league. They're getting a reason buying them back. They will have a full offseason now with Kobe and Powell. And all like this team should be really good. And that was an awesome team. They won 65 games and they're not talked about. So thank you for mentioning that, Pete. But the reason that I wanted to kick it to you in the media day context is that there are we talk about Kobe and LeBron, uh, but not always or not often really even in in a comparative way Uh, i think that the comparisons we hear the most are sort of how kobe mirrored jordan in in so many obvious ways but any of the best of the best in any walk of life have a lot in common Uh, and i think that the way that you were just talking about lebron darius did make me think of how kobe would came into some of those first seasons when he thought that the roster was good enough to win and he was not going to have any excuses um, from anybody on the roster about what they needed to do from a work and a preparation and a mindset standpoint. And LeBron does have a more delicate touch with teammates uh, for the most part, especially off the court. 
Although Kobe really grew into that as his career yep. went on in, in, the, in the portion of his career that I saw there, there's more of that than what people thought, I think. But nonetheless, like the seriousness and the tone with which LeBron was coming into it, though, Pete, I did find I did find myself thinking a little bit about being in a, in a seat, although down the street at the Lakers old building, the Toyota Sports Center um, and, and and just finding feeling some comparison of, uh, of the way that a guy that's been through all of the battles like that is trying to message the rest of his roster. Yeah, there's a certain level of inspiration that he's looking to strike that I think that by all accounts, that's been successful, right? I think that there's a great deal of determination and belief in what this can be. And that I'm glad you brought that up about Kobe, about that's something that he grew into is that he spoke at length about the importance of kind of igniting the greatness in the people around him. The younger version of Kobe was very much aspiring to be the best version of himself. And you can't really ignite other people in that way until you've become the best version of yourself, or at least uh, to a comfortable enough degree. And once Kobe reached that point, like one of the things that struck uh, struck me after he passed was everybody who had a story about Kobe and like a one-on-one type of talk where he really inspired them and changed how they looked at things. And, you know, the, the LeBron and Rui combination, Darius, uh, that was one of the stories over the course of the summer. And we got to hear them talk about it a little bit. And just that sort of like Rui getting to tag along and and learn yeah. from LeBron, right? And on yeah. a daily basis. And like, that's a whole new level of education. The, we're going to go work out together. We're going to, you know, be attached at the hip in preparation for, you know, a championship level NBA season. You know, like Rui is a guy we've talked about thriving within structure. And like the idea of having LeBron James as your own personal tutor for a summer, what better education could you get than that? Rui got a free masterclass uh, from LeBron. Uh, actually, well, free, I guess it was basically paid for by Phil Handy uh, and his influence being that it that's was right. Phil's idea. But that's that's not something you can buy in stores. Uh, and in, I, I did find that to be very encouraging from thinking about what Rui's going to be this year. So it's like you got these two guys, Darius, in, in LeBron and Kobe, where it's like they le- they led with love. To a, to a great degree, and and like sure, and and so I, I love that you brought that up, Mike, and that that comparison between the two. It's also like I don't know if either of you watched the show The Bear. Yes, one of the few shows that you could possibly 100%. reference that I've seen like a season of. I've, I've only seen the first season. Oh, season two is great. Is it? So the it's reference so I'm going to make is it's so stressful that season two is less of yeah. that. Okay, jump in, dive in, dive in. It's it's worth a while. It's yeah? worthwhile. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. There's a couple of animating episodes that are that give you the same feeling from from season one, but the the arc is a little bit different. But okay. the Richie character gets sent to a high end restaurant to stodge, basically, right? Which is to like learn at the foot of these different experts within is this Richie really high end restaurant. Yes. He yes, gets the cousin. Sent- Okay. He gets sent to, but from okay. a service standpoint, you'll, all right, all right. You, you, don't worry about it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But that's how I felt about this conversation about Rui, right? Like he got sent to Stodge at the foot of LeBron James and he is learning what it's like to leverage all of the tools that he's been given in ways that weren't always necessarily there for him earlier in his career. But let's go to break here because there was so much that got said at Media Day and we want to try to get to as much of it as we can. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I was not able to be at Media Day. I'm not local. So I was catching up via the Lakers YouTube channel. And I don't know if AD went first. He did. But he was the first video posted. And so AD is a funny guy to me, Pete, because he is a very matter-of-fact speaker. (laughs) And he is not someone that you often think about wearing his emotions on his sleeve, but AD's a very honest guy. And so we've talked about how LeBron was one of these guys where you get to watch him every single day over the course of years, and you learn so much about him, even though we thought we had known so much about LeBron already because of his tenure in the league. AD is another one of those guys that it's just like, can you believe that it's like, what is it, his 11th or 12th season now? Incredible. He's been in the league a long time, and it's his, what, fourth or fifth with LA now? Like, he's been here. Yep. A minute. And I always enjoy listening to AD talk because he doesn't sugarcoat things a lot of times. And sometimes he catches you off foot a little bit. Right, by like, how sometimes questions just, are asked like in a way where like you're expected to give a certain answer and he doesn't always give the resolution that you're that you're expecting. Well, it's like he gets set up with – and this is the nature of media yes. day, right? Like like Mike talked about exit interviews. Exit interviews can often be a time where there's a little bit of conflict resolution because it's the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And so whatever a media member has on their mind, they might not necessarily go with a player for it, but they're just like, all right, well, like this is the last time I'm going to get you. And so whatever I could get from you, I'm I'm going to get it. Media day is – much more of this parade of like friendliness amongst everyone. Great to see you. How was your summer? Like, <laughs> hey, yep. nice. And everyone's pleasantries are just that exactly pleasant. But so AD starts out, he's talking about his extension and everything else. And I was getting a good chuckle out out of that stuff just because he's just so matter of factly talking about how well they called and talked to the agent and Offer the extension. Let, and let me let me interject here. Please. So we just talked about AD, right? And had that being the main takeaway out of Rob and Darvin's presser. And part of it, and I think I read the quote, was this, hey, here's the extension. And then also here's kind of what the expectations are. And, and we're so impressed with the AD and the work that he did and his body and, and all this. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to ask AD the first question. And it's going to be about this. And... And this is, I think, what Pete's referred to, where you're expecting him to to sort of go along those lines. Right. Like, yeah, it, it, that's exactly how it was. And, I, you know, and I'm I have this new energy about whatever it might be. But I'm also kind of thinking by by doing a million interviews with A.D., he A.D. 
is all of the things that Darius said, but sometimes he's he's more than happy, especially on media day. He's more than happy to not create some sort of a headline or not create things that can be followed up and just sort of think about all the crap the that people say about him. Of course, he's that way, right? <laughs> like it makes sense if uh, I, I mean, not necessarily because like okay. think about Kobe and LeBron and all the stuff that's talked about them. But they have a certain way, and I don't want to say that it's like legacy protecting and building, but like there, mm-hmm. you can answer a question there without diving too deep and still and still sort of give you what you want um, for the storyline. And it, in AD, that's to me the difference about mm-hmm. AD is that he does not care. He did not yes. care <laughs> if he went to All Star last year. He doesn't care about being All NBA. He doesn't care about being Defensive Player of the Year. He wants to win, though. He wants to win games, and he'll and he'll give the requisite energy for that. But like he's he's going to do it on his terms. And Mm -hmm. he's going to be the one uh, that sets the agenda. And so when like just in the context of media day, then you might not get he might not tell you even like what Robin Darwin said may actually have really been true. AD just decided he didn't want to get into it right then and there. And so he kind of shut it down in a way and was like, yeah, yeah, sign the deal. They offered to me and I I worked out the same way I always worked out. And I was like, all right, (laughs) (laughs) on to the next question. Oh man, hey, but Pete, at least AD was on. Uh, I'm guessing that you appreciated his uh, his answer about the tournament, the midseason tournament. I thought and of how my, he when he said like, that immediately. <laughs> I was cracking up. Yes. Well, oh man, did you die a little on the inside when he said I, that, I've Mike? Got, no, 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 because this is again, this is the same. Like, it's all context with yes, AD. Yeah, yeah. And AD's. So my reading of the question was more like. These games, the same thing that I've been saying to, to sort of skeptics of the in-season tournament, the games still count. So you can't go into the game and right. just not care and be like trying to lose because then it'll be a loss. And so AD said, we're like, we have to take it. We have to take it seriously. Like we take all games seriously. He did not say we're going to try to win that thing. Let's go. Like it's a it's it's super exciting. And I'll, he wasn't going to do that. And I think that probably is fair. But I I don't I, I that's just AD. Anyway, I've I've spoken enough on AD's reactions in the media, but I I just took it in AD terms. He is not the guy that I thought was going to stand up there and, and be yeah. like, like whatever the NBA messaging is about the in-season tournament. But Pete, the thing I wanted to kick to you about AD as well is that he, like LeBron, there was a certain seriousness around the idea of like winning and the steps necessary and like what the goals are for this season, which really was a through line like you brought up around the points about continuity, right? There is no misunderstanding around what the goals for this team are. And to a man, every single one of these players was basically speaking within the context of what they can do in order to move that goal forward, mm-hmm. right? Like, And it started with, with LeBron and AD, but on down... The line, like from Rui to yep. everyone else, like Austin, D'Lo, like what did you think about D'Lo? So yes, let's let's talk D'Lo. It's funny because I think D'Lo and AD, um, they're around. I think D'Lo and AD are in similar places, but in different ways, right? Like I've been cracking up at D'Lo the dad, right? I you know we saw the great photos of his of his son Riley's birthday party, right? And Austin spoke to this idea of D'Lo being super integral in the jump that 
Austin made last year in that Delo is always a guy that's going to be encouraging and, you know, helping bring out the best in the people around him. And this is something that was something we'd been talking about internally within our department last year of like, there's all these clips of Delo like being really excited for his teammates in a genuine way and in a way that they talk about even behind the scenes too, right? And so it's this idea of, it's not about me from Delo, it's about how I can help inspire, right? And that's kind of the theme of, I, I guess, what I want to talk about tonight, right? And AD in this context is it's it manifests itself in a different way. And did you catch what he said? He was like, yeah, Seawood and, and Jackson have been coming up to me like, like they want him to, to assume a leadership role amongst the bigs, right? Like teach us all what you know, right? And that totally sure. makes sense that guys their age and from their background and their position and how they play – Anthony Davis is one of those dudes where you're like, I play with Anthony Davis to a guy like that. Both of those dudes aspire to be that kind of guy, Mike. And so that caught my ear of like, you've got these two really willing young bigs with a ton of talent that are like, Anthony Davis, teach me everything that you know. And so just in this whole context of like mentorship and, and inspiring, like I'm super curious to see what AD, who is now 30 years old, like what he does with that sort of opportunity. Well, and LeBron spoke to that as well about AD and that nobody else is even 30 on the roster mm -hmm. and AD just turned 30, but it's a, it's an older 30 since he came out after he won the national championship with Kentucky um, when he was 18. And I, let me set AD aside for a little bit because D'Lo to me was more engaging and sort of more excited in a way than you heard mm -hmm. uh, in certain channels, at least not, I don't think internal Lakers channels, but sort of nationally about when his deal was signed and, you know, what he wanted it to be versus what it was. And, and that is not the way that he came across. Like he came across as very comfortable with the decision that he made. Um, he, he thinks that there are, this is a really good structure for him to be in with this team. And he, although he is still young, like is embracing this type of a, of a leadership position, I think in certain ways with guys as well. And that's just, that's not the D low that you necessarily heard about in Minnesota um, or in golden state or yep. in Brooklyn, where Pete, you had mentioned this earlier about in the context of Kobe, like trying to figure out who he was before he could step into mm -hmm. that next phase. Yep. And that is to me what the, the growth that Russell has had. And that he he really it was hard for him to figure out who he was in this league, especially given the situation that he entered into with where he was drafted and what the expectations were and what the purple and gold jerseys were and and who else was on that team or not. And then the trades and the Nick Young thing, it's just been a lot. And that's yeah. on the court. OK, forget all of the stuff that he's gone through in his personal life. And now not only does he know who he is, but there are a few things, at least uh, so far in my experience with my life, uh, that center you in a way aside uh, more than what having a kid does. And mm. I think that that has probably further stabilized what he thinks of himself um, and the identity that he can have as a father um, now, especially relative to whatever he experienced growing up. So I just found a, a comfortable and a confident and a mature Russell um, that was interesting to me. So let's take one more break. And then uh, Darius, we'd love to, would love to get your thoughts on Russell and any of the other 15 things that we could pull out of media day. No, I think that all of that is really well said. 
about D'Lo and his comfort level. D'Lo's always been a guy who has seemed wise beyond his years, but then has been pinned down as a someone who was not as mature as he needed to be. And it's an interesting dichotomy that exists within like the perspective of who someone is and then who they actually are, right? And what they're trying to bring to the table. I always appreciated D'Lo for his candidness and for his ability to sort of speak what was on on his mind, even if it wasn't the most popular thing to say, mm-hmm. or if it wasn't exactly what you wanted him to be saying. But he always said it well, and he said it from the heart, and he said it articulately. And I always appreciated that about him. In this second stint, now that he's back with the Lakers, Mike brought up that that idea of fatherhood, but but I but I do sense that idea of like a more broadened worldview that he's bringing and a wider perspective and how that informs what he's about as both a person and a player. Um, one of the things, Pete, that I've tried to do is highlight a lot of these plays that D'Lo makes that are really, truly unselfish plays. And yeah. there are plays where it's not necessarily where he's even making the pass, but he's like going to a spot on the floor that's going to allow the pass to get made. Like he is a thinking player. And I've always mm-hmm. appreciated that about him. And he seems to be at a time in his life and in a position with his own game where the thinking and his skill level is right at the part of the graph where it all lines up. And it's like where supply meets demand, that's where the price is, right? <laughs> yep. And, and D'Lo has found that spot in his game where it's like he under, his understanding of what to do and his physical ability to do what needs to be done is in the same spot. And yeah. it's created a player that is going to be super useful and helpful to, to the team. I super appreciated what Austin said about him as well, where it's just like, he's the guy who sort of said to me, like, go get it. Yeah. And he seemed, D'Lo seemed so happy for Austin every single time that Austin did something successful. And D'Lo's comment too about, like being appreciative of Darwin offering him public support. That seemed genuine Mm -hmm. to me coming off of the season where the last time we saw D'Lo, he had to come off the bench. Like these are all things where you could look at it cynically and say like, oh, well, he doesn't really mean that. But if you actually watch him and listen to the tone, it seems like truth. D'Lo is also not exactly the kind of guy that, has a history of like just BSing it, right? If it's something yes. that's uncomfortable, you know, like it just wouldn't be in in, in character. Um, one player I wanted to bring up uh, who I, I felt kind of was a little under the radar, except for one blip over the course of the off season who catches my eyes and ears every time I hear him talk. And that's Max Christie, Mike. Uh, for one, he looks freaking massive. Like it just... I've been kind of pining for this shooting guard that can provide physicality and point of attack defense. And there's a pretty good chance that he's been here all along. I just, like I said, I wish he were 23 and had a little bit more of the experience and, and wisdom, but every single time, Mike, I I hear him talk and he's so intentional. He talked about assuming a leadership role for guys like Jalen hood Shafino and Maxwell Lewis, right? This is kind of a theme throughout the course of the day, even at 20 years old in the position that Max is, Max is looking toward like, Hey, how can I help people that those 
how can I help my teammates that are a little bit further behind in their career, right? And so all the way down the roster, that's been something that I've seen it. But Max, man, the, sky, the sky's the limit with him, uh, Mike. And I know you've been a big fan. So what was your impression of Max? Well, all three of us are early Max Christie investors. And my I, I can't take credit for my own adoption of it because it came from just trusting the way that Jesse Buss uh, and his staff and his scouts view players. And essentially, if Max Christie had played out like now now that we know the way that he works and the desperation that he has to be great and how much he cares and how serious of an individual that he is uh, which is all what came across in his media day Mm -hmm. and go ahead and and check that out if you haven't seen it yet because he kind of speaks for himself but max would have gone back to college he would have been a lottery pick and i think that it's we've we've done this with caruso and reeves in recent years like once you see a guy play it it sometimes is hard not just for a fan but for a coach for a player to take them out of that initial uh Mm -hmm. box that they were in and for him it's second round pick and it's like well he darius you talk about pedigree all the time he's got pedigree um and he just happened to to because his shooting numbers fell i think in part he slipped from that lottery into the second round um for with a tiny sample size at michigan state um, when he was one of the younger freshmen and then he got to go to LeBron James school of playoffs um, to get additional motivation heading into the offseason. And I think Max being smart looked at the roster and thought, well, wait a second. I kind of like what Pete's been pining for. I hold up. Hey, coach, I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> Call like I, I'm ready, man. Like put me yeah. in. You know, he that's. And so he 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 approached the facility, I think, every day with this mix of excitement and energy uh, and uh, really so, uh, like a desperation to be in the rotation. When yeah. you ask him the question, and I did, that was the first thing I asked him. Like he looks at you and he's like, yes, like this is what I'm going for. And and I, to me, that is a, that is exactly what I want uh, to see in a, in a player like that. So I think that, I think that it's inevitable um, that Max will end up getting real serious minutes um, this year. And that's even if some other guys play well, like if Cam Reddish ends up playing really well. And uh, I just it's hard for me to see the trajectory that Max is on not resulting that way because these coaches all watch him practice like and I just think that the talent is is going to keep uh, keep coming through. And now he's going to have to continue to prove it just like Reeves did and just like Caruso did. Uh, But I think that it's all there for the taking for Max. I can't wait to see him play with players of the caliber that are going to be in the rotation this year just to see how he fits next to those guys. He shot 50% from three during summer league, and he defended the other team's best player. Now, did he always have success doing that? He did not, but he he also averaged 2.3 blocks a game during summer league, and a lot of those were in the of the on-ball variety, right? Where he's basically just enveloping his man and getting up there and blocking a guy's jump shot, basically. Which is hard. That's hard to do. I'm a big fan of Max. I actually have, over at Silver Screen Enrolled, the player previews for the seasons are kicking up now. And I've got something coming out on Max tomorrow where where we look at a few different questions about sort of like best case scenario, worst case scenario, and what we think his most likely role for the season. And I can tell you that 
his best case scenario for me is that he not only gets that rotation spot that he pines for, but that he starts to nudge out players who are ahead of him in these veteran, in these other veteran spots who purport to do the same things that he does, Mm -hmm. but Max is a guy who brings multiple things in a single package, right? And so Max will never be the playmaker that D'Lo is or the ball handler or the offensive initiator. But if he can hit 40% of his three pointers and even a higher rate of ones that are open, then that's that's a talent, Pete. He may not defend at the point of attack or with the same ability that Jared Vanderbilt does, but if he can approximate that while also being a 40% three-point shooter, then he can start to nudge in to other guys' roles. And that's sort of a best-case scenario for him, but that doesn't even seem too far off from Mm -hmm. being on the table for him this season. Well, let me go way over the top uh, of an example just to sort of make a point and to, to kick it to Pete. Early Kawhi Leonard and the way that he the Spurs needed him to play which was really just much more about three and D, but at a high level um, that we didn't know at the time, all, all that Kawhi could do on the ball and sort of the player, the stuff that he continued to show as his career went on. And this is again, why bringing up Max and uh, at age 20 and he showed at summer league, Pete, and you put a great video out on this, uh, all different types of stuff in his game that we might not need to see this year because he's good enough and really good at the three in the D and the rebounding and sort of the role player type things that I think are the best ways for him to get on the floor because of how capable everybody else is. But this, the fact that we saw that stuff in summer league to me was very encouraging because there will, even if it's just a pocket of a moment of a game to know that some of that is there and it can be flowered for later in his career, but he can still be effective at the role player things in the meantime. Yep. You don't get those players all the time. I, I just I think it's it's more like you get a specialist or you get a guy that shows the talent but isn't big enough or isn't strong enough or whatever. Uh, but this to me is an interesting uh, type of a player. Max is especially important on this team because our other three guards are minus athletes relative to the other guards around the league, right? Like the collective strength and athleticism of D'Lo, Austin, and Gabe Vincent just isn't that high. And if that's something where you have another guy that fits that description, you know, you're going to lose some battles just in part because you just don't have the size and athleticism. Well, Pete, look, uh, the way that the way that Max has evolved in his game, that's all exciting. And we'll see. Um, And and just to kind of get a final thought here, there are so many other guys that we didn't get a chance to talk about, like Christian Wood. I'm very intrigued with what he said and what he's about. Torian Prince um, Gabe Vincent, I thought, said some really interesting things about looking at what the team needs. And, hey, I've got different skills. I can just fill in the gaps like there's there's a lot yeah. more to uncover uh, with this team, and I think most of it goes in a very positive direction. So it was an encouraging media day uh, for the Lakers, and I'm excited to get to practice tomorrow and and yeah. just see what these guys look like on the court together. And because that's where like media day is one thing, but the first day where you can see the guys on the court. After all, basketball is about the ball um, being bounced on the hard court, and and so now that's the portion of the week that we get to after we've heard all the words. Yeah, can't wait to hear the the sounds of of all that tomorrow uh, in the gym with the first day of training camp. One of the refrains from everyone amidst all this optimism has been, we're only going to go as far as our work takes us. And so a lot of that work starts tomorrow. And so we will be back tomorrow to talk about it. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. 
We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.